Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome to this time of worship. Welcome, everyone who's watching at home. Welcome from Germantown Presbyterian Church to all of you who are worshiping at home this morning. It is a great pleasure to welcome everybody to this time of worship, whether you're here in person or whether you're watching at home. We know that we are united by God's Holy Spirit in this act of worship today. I do invite you, if you're worshiping at home, to uh, please go download the church uh, bulletin. You'll see uh, the bulletin for today's service online. You can click on that tab and you can download the bulletin and you can join us in all acts of worship that we're doing here today. And you can worship at home just as we are worshiping here in our new sanctuary here at GPC in the Activity Center. And we continue to recover from the, uh, the great flood that we had a few weeks ago. But all is well, and that recovery process is underway. So this is our sanctuary, and we know that God is present. We have gathered here in the name of Jesus Christ, so God is here. Amen? Amen. Thank you. It is so good to see people in our congregation this morning that I haven't seen in so long. People who are here with us, who have gotten vaccinated, people uh, who are now starting to emerge from our COVID time. The, the end is in sight, isn't it? It's in sight, and it's so great to see people who are worshiping with us coming from near and far, and uh, others also who are moving in other directions soon as well. We're just delighted that everybody can be here to worship God with us this morning. Friends, it is Communion Sunday, and so there are communion elements on uh, the table over here. If you did not pick them up on the way in, there's a little baggie with a, a goldfish in it for the bread, and there's a grape in it for the, for the juice, for the cup, and so please do... Slide over there at some point and pick up communion elements. If you're worshiping with us at home, we invite you to have some form of bread and, and uh, juice, grape juice or wine, and you can celebrate communion at home as well. And uh, even if you don't have elements, then uh, just, just participate anyway by listening to the liturgy and listening to the words and the goodness of the communion liturgy as we celebrate uh, the, the sacrament together here at GPC. Our evening worship is this evening at 6 o'clock. You can come back in person or online and be part of our contemporary worship service this evening at 6 p.m., and that'll be, of course, right in here, and uh, want everybody to join in that time of worship as well on this Lord's Day. Just a reminder about Nakomi. We've talked about this uh, the last several weeks. Um, we are trying to uh, get a count and a number of folks who are able to go to Nakomi. And it's just impossible to overstate how significant Nakomi is for Germantown Presbyterian Church and for our life together um, here as a family of faith at GPC. And it's for all ages. And so um, there's a survey that's gone out where you can uh, register your desire to attend if you think you might attend. But we want to make it really easy for people because we're trying to get a head count. And so if you just want to scribble on a piece of paper... Nakomi, we're coming. Put your name and, and a number down and put that in the offering plate. What we're really trying to do is to get a number more than anything else. And so that deadline is, uh, I think, tomorrow night, tomorrow tonight at uh, about just six o'clock, eight o'clock. At some point this evening, we're going to have a Nakomi number deadline. So please do email me, email Susie, email the church office, put a, uh, a number with your family name in the offering plate so that we know how many to plan for as we anticipate a great weekend. And that again, that's the last two days of April, uh, no, April 30th and May 1st and 2nd. So please do um, sign up for Nakomi. Friends, there are Easter lily envelopes 
at the door as you came in, and there are some also online. There's an online Easter lily form where you can make a, a donation and you can give a lily for Easter in honor of someone or in memory of someone. And so we want to make sure that we do that. Um, please do pick up an envelope at the door or go to the online form or email Laurie in our church office if you'd like to give a, a lily in memory of or in honor of someone. Friends, this is a great day in the life of Germantown Presbyterian Church because I have the great pleasure of introducing to you Mike and Francesca Lyle. I hope they will come up and join me here. Join me here in the front, and I am so delighted to welcome our new associate pastor, Mike Lyle, uh, here to Germantown Presbyterian Church. So delighted to welcome you, Francesca, as well. They, of course, come from us most recently from Rossville, Indiana, where Mike was a pastor, uh, a solo pastor at church there. But they are Floridians uh, um, uh, first, and they come from Florida, and then Mike uh, Seminary at Princeton, and then uh, also their fairly recent marriage in the last couple of years uh, brings both of them together. So we are delighted uh, to celebrate this great milestone in the life of GPC to welcome you, Mike, here for your ministry among us as our Associate Pastor for Evangelism and Discipleship. So Francesca, to welcome you into the GPC family and... A little birdie told me that yesterday was your 28th birthday. It was a birthday yesterday, and so we are delighted about that. Thank you, Gerald and Alex, and thank you both for your presence here among us, and we can't wait for you to integrate into the life of, of GPC, and we're delighted that you're here. Welcome. Friends, let me also introduce to you a, a staff member that some of you have met and seen, but uh, now you're going to hear from him in his role as Capacity of Youth, Director of Youth Ministry. How about the mic up there? Um, Christopher Greco is our new Director of Youth Ministry, and he has an announcement this morning for us about, um, about the youth auction, but it seems appropriate. I think this is maybe your first time to speak and to be here in worship, first or second, but how about a round of applause also for Christopher Greco? Oh, let me... Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we in the youth sphere of the church are so excited to bring you the opportunity, uh, a different opportunity, but something a little similar as to what you've had in the past. We're bringing back the youth auction for, I don't know how long it's been going, but <laughs> uh, this year it's going to look a little bit different. So you're going to sign up in groups of 40, 40 maximum, and you are going to go and look at the items and this year, instead of being a silent or live auction, we are calling it a blind auction. And I know, hysterical. Uh, <laughs> the blind auction is uh, where you are going to go and you're going to write down your best offer immediately and put it into a fishbowl or a bag or something. We'll decide the day of. And in that moment, uh, in order to sort of limit our COVID activities and to keep people safe. We are 
asking that you make that best offer immediately so we don't have people crowding to come back for all of our fabulous stuff that we're going to offer y'all. Uh, we are also offering a meal again this year. Uh, we will be, I don't remember what the food, it's pork tenderloin. You can order pork tenderloin in servings of two and as many servings as you like, and that will gain you entry into the youth auction. So if you go on GPC's website, or you look on page seven of your bulletin, you will find this information laid out, because I know I'm rambling a little quickly, but I so look forward. I so look forward to all of y'all coming and supporting the youth. It's such a special time as it really touches the lives of uh, the young people of our church and lets them know that they have friends of all ages and a great support system around them. Thank y'all so much. Friends, last uh, but certainly not least, maybe most important of all, prayers uh, continue from our church for the family of Andrew Arthur. Andrew died last uh, November, but we had his memorial service yesterday, and we had it in the chapel, which seemed so wonderful and fitting because that's where Andrew grew up as a boy. Um, he grew up in the chapel, and that's where he worshiped, and that's where he was confirmed, and it was such a special moment for his family to have that service for him in our beautiful Evans Chapel. And uh, I hope you'll continue to pray for the family of, of Andrew Arthur and remember him, uh, just our gratitude for his uh, lifetime of service here at GPC. I was trying to remember this, and somebody will correct me or help me think of this, but I, I'm try Andrew may have been the last of someone who was born into this church, baptized here, and lived his whole life, 81 years, as this is the only church home he has ever, ever had. And I was trying to remember if, if there's anybody else out there besides, I mean, we've got some younger folks, of course, and I'm sure there are, but we want to celebrate Andrew's life, and I'll just share this, this nugget with you. Um, what a great sense of humor Andrew had, and uh, we were laughing yesterday about so many uh, wonderful times spent with Andrew. Um, uh, I, think, I wonder if you remember this. Um, Andrew gave a moment for mission about two years ago for our missions team. And he was standing up in the lectern in the sanctuary. And uh, I think his notes got a little jumbled, and he got a little jumbled, and um, things got a little bit out of order, and he got a little confused. And finally, he just looked up and said, I guess I should have had another drink this morning. <laughs> but I mean, who thinks of that off the cuff? It was just so funny, and it was so Andrew. And so we are just, just so, uh, we miss him so much, and we're grateful for his entire life of faith lived out in this community. So please keep Barbara, keep Corwin, keep uh, Drew Arthur and all of their families in your prayers as we are grateful for the life of Andrew Arthur. Those are all of our announcements now. Let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Welcome. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please join me in our call to worship. The law of the Lord is perfect. Receiving the soul, the decrees of the Lord are sure. 
making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even more fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Our God is gracious and merciful. Through sin, we have fallen short of God's expectations for us. Let us confess our sins together. Let us pray. O God, giver of the good law, we confess our need for your grace. We are sinful in how we think, speak, and act. Your patience is profound, and your mercy is everlasting. We confess our sin before you and others, admitting that we do not exercise self-control when it comes to our appetites. During this season of Lent, help us to see how Jesus loved, spoke, and acted toward those around him. And please forgive us for sins. In his name we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God has mercy on us through Jesus Christ. Through Christ's obedience and death, we have forgiveness. Through his resurrection, we have new life before God. Amen. Just as I am, thou wilt receive... grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and also with you. As our children come forward, I remind you to please remember everyone in our church, family, pray for them and extend your love to them on this day. Please call your friends in Christ and check on them and their well-being. Well, good morning, boys and girls. How are y'all today? Good. I'm glad to see you today. It is March. Yay. We're having all good things, I think, coming our way. Sunshine, spring, lots of good things coming um, in the spring. I just feel it. So it's a new month, and 
in um, children's ministry here, when we turn to a new month, we have a new Bible verse of the month. But I just wanted to remind our children today that it is so important to, we are really working hard to bring our Bibles to Sunday school, right? And we are writing in our Bibles, we're highlighting, we're writing words to help us remember um, good things in our Bible. So I want to remind you all and any children out there with us today um, to be active in your Bible and put it to use and come to church and come to Sunday school and to be in a group every week. It's so good to keep our focus every week on Jesus. And that's what our Bible and Sunday school help us us to do. Um, So I have a new Bible verse. And I'm going to give you all a little sticker to help you um, put it up in a, maybe on a mirror or in your car to help you remember our Bible verse of the month. And I was going to see if somebody wants to read it or if y'all want to read it together. Jean and Roy, would you? Wait Wait for the Lord, be strong and don't lose hope. Wait for the Lord, Psalms 24. Very good job. I'm so proud of y'all. So I'm going to give you a little sticker to take home. Um, Let's pray together, and then I'll give these to you, okay? Will you bow your heads with me? Dear God, thank you so much for your word that teaches us about Jesus and how to live our life for you. Amen. Would you join me in a prayer? Good morning, Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to spend time together and to spend time with you. And so we invite you as we come before your holy word to do what you do best to revive, refresh, replenish us with your grace and your truth. We are here to listen, Lord. So we invite you to speak. This we pray in your precious name. Amen. Our first reading this morning comes from the book of Exodus, the 20th chapter, beginning with the first verse. So hear these words. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that's in heaven above That's on the earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of their parents 
to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me. But showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. So remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You your son or your daughter, your male or your female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it, So honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Well, when all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and they trembled and they stood at a distance and they said to Moses, quote, you speak to us. We'll listen, but don't let God speak to us. Or will die. Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid, for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you don't sin. Then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Here ends our first reading. Our New New Testament lesson comes to us this morning from the book of Galatians, and it's uh, some of Paul's commentary on the Torah and the law, but really on the nature of a covenant. And so listen to these words as Paul writes to us from Galatians 3, starting in verse 23. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So there's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, 
heirs according to the promise. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it is a day I've been looking forward to for a long, long time. And again, a welcome to Mike and Francesca. Mike uh, went before our presbytery yesterday where he was examined uh, on the floor of presbytery as much as a Zoom meeting can have a floor, but he was examined there and passed and approved. So he is now officially our new associate pastor. And with that, I'll tell you that I'm such a supportive uh, head of staff and pastor that I am now leaving on vacation in about an hour and a half and would be gone for a week, and I'm looking forward to that. And so welcome and goodbye. All right. I know it is a very special day for us, and I'm grateful for this as we now welcome Mike into this family of faith, and uh, as along with Susie and other staff members, such great colleagues, um, uh, there is so much goodness right on the horizon for us as a church, and, and I can really see it coming it's like that first uh, sort of moment of dawn after a night and light sort of breaks and bends over the horizon. And I can just feel it this morning. And maybe it's the beauty of the spring morning, but maybe it's just seeing people that I haven't seen in so long and that the end of COVID is nigh and it's coming our way. And they're just great things um, already coming over the horizon for us as a church. And I'm excited to be part of it. And I know that you are too. We're continuing our sermon series during this season of Lent on covenant and what it means to, uh, to be in a covenant with God, in a covenant with other people, what covenant theology is all about. It is such an important word in Scripture. There are all kinds of ways to define it. We've been looking at that over the last several weeks. Um, one very easy, simple definition of a covenant is this, a relationship of love bound by a promise. A relationship of love bound by a promise. That's what a covenant is. Came across another definition this week, uh, also that I like a lot. A covenant is a deep soul-level connection that binds heart to heart. A deep soul-level connection that binds heart to heart. That's what a covenant is. Our hearts are bound to God's own heart. God's heart bound together, sealed up together with ours through Jesus Christ. I mean, think about what that means. This, this great divine heart, this divine heart, this, this, this God, this divine mind, this incredible, powerful God who created the farthest flung stars of the universe knows you, knows you at your most essential, basic level, knows the you behind the you that you don't show to anybody else. This God knows you, loves you, cares about you, forgives you, loves you unconditionally. As we talked about last week, that's part of a covenant, unconditional love, and wants you to li live in love eternally. We talked about that last week as well, that this covenant relationship is unconditional and it is eternal. Now, we've also been talking about in this series the difference between contracts and covenants. I bet you'd be surprised. Do this. I stopped this week to try to count up how many contracts that govern my daily living? Stop and think about how many legal contracts describe you and govern your daily existence. It's probably more than you realize. And I doubt you'll hear these words. 
you think about the difference between a covenant and a contract, the vocabulary around them is what describes their difference. So I doubt you'll hear these words in any legal contract you're part of. A deep soul-level connection that binds heart to heart. I doubt that any of our attorneys, we've got several attorneys in our congregation, I want to ask them if they've ever written that language into any of their contracts, a deep soul-level connection that binds heart to heart. Probably not. The vocabulary around contracts, of course, is different. You'll hear lots of words like subrogation. Subrogation is a word that I've heard a lot lately. I've been seeing it a lot lot recently. Six weeks ago, you may have read one of my Friday letters. Six weeks ago, tomorrow, somebody ran a red light and smashed into the front right side of my car. I've been uh, reading lots of different legal contracts. I've been reading all the correspondence and the claims between my insurance company and the insurance company of the other driver, whose car, by the way, barely sustained a bruise. I mean, it wasn't even hardly a dent on that great old Chevrolet metal pickup truck. Parts of my car, which is all made of plastic, now they just popped like popcorn out of the Skittle. He had barely a dent. But I've seen the word subrogation a lot. There are lots of nuances to the word subrogation, I have learned. But it basically means if we don't recover our financial loss from you or your client, we're going to sue. Subrogation. With contracts, the word you'll hear the most, the most probably is the word breach. The word breach. A breach of contract is a fracturing of a business relationship. To breach something is to break it. When there's a breach in something, I don't know, like a water pipe, for example, then something bursts and there's just great damage everywhere. In its original usage, the word breach, it came from battle imagery. A breach is a break in the wall through which troops just start to pour in against the enemy. There's a famous battle scene in Shakespeare's Henry V where the troops break a hole in the wall and they bring all these ladders to scale the walls and go into the enemy's hole there in the wall. And Henry says, once more into the breach, dear friends, once more, or close up the wall with our English dead. In other words, break through that breach or die trying. Breaching the peace is a phrase you hear a lot in courtrooms, especially I've noticed in college towns where students sometimes get out of hand and howl at the moon. Nowadays, it's usually phrased as disturbing the peace. But in the little town where I went to college in Virginia, back then students were charged with breaching the peace. And so it kind of became a sport every week on the Wednesday when the local newspaper was released. Don't act like you've never done this. To look in the newspaper to see who you might know who was charged with breaching the peace. And then if you were charged with breaching the peace, that of course was followed by the inevitable invitation from the dean for an accountability conversation. Or so I've heard. I think that's what I hear. Now, David Collins, I know that you're watching this at home. David Collins, as you may know, a church member. David was dean of the students at the University of Memphis for quite some time. I want to ask David if he ever had to have accountability conversations with any of the students that were under his watch. You think he did? Absolutely. Can you imagine someone better, more graceful, though, to have that conversation with if you're a shaking-in-your-boots student? That's all the vocabulary of a contract. Subrogation, payment, sue, breach, charged, accountability, guilty. But a covenant, a covenant, this 
this great biblical word that we're studying during this season of Lent. This idea, this relationship of a covenant is so different. And the vocabulary and scripture surrounding a covenant is just beautifully and amazingly different. It's so much better. Go punch uh, the word covenant into your, your phone or your computer Bible or, or get a good old-fashioned uh, um, index and look up the word covenant and you'll just see the most beautiful words associated with it in Scripture. Words like everlasting, great love, holy, awesome, life-giving, glory, hope, mercy, forgiveness. This incredible biblical vocabulary that surrounds this wonderful idea of a covenant. This is the type of relationship in which we live. This type of relationship in, li- in which we live with God. Where we get to know God. Where God reveals Himself to us. One of the things we want to notice about a covenant today as we look at this particular covenant in Exodus is that a covenant reveals the one who makes it. A covenant always reveals the one who makes it. We plunge into this reading today And we see how this covenant that God makes with the Israelite people, it reflects the personality, it reflects the love, it reflects the attributes of God. A covenant relationship with God will always display God's attributes and who God is, God's priorities, God's promises, God's purposes are always revealed within a covenant relationship. So if you read about the theology of a covenant, you'll see that there are several major covenants that are enacted by God throughout Scripture, Old Testament and then into the New Testament. Six major covenants, for, in, in fact. And our Presbyterian Reformed heritage has attached itself always to covenant theology. So that Reformed theology and covenant theology down through history have, have been basically synonymous and that we have believed that we have seen God's purposes enacted in history. Salvation history itself is a history of these different covenants into which God enters until we reach the new covenant, until we reach the covenant that God makes with us through Jesus Christ. Covenants with Noah, covenants with Abraham. Today we look at the Mosaic covenant, which is not just with Moses, but with all the Israelite people. There's the Davidic covenant, then there is the new covenant. Each covenant along the way reveals certain points in salvation history, what God is doing at a particular time. And so today we have this great reading from Exodus before us, this reading of the Ten Commandments, and it is a, it's a reading that's meant to be symbolic of not just studying those Ten Commandments, but symbolic of all the, the law, all of the Torah, all of this very special relationship that God enters into with His Jewish people. Not just one person, not Sarah, Abraham, not just Noah, but now this is a communal covenant. It's a relationship between God and the whole people, thousands upon thousands strong. And God wants to reveal exactly who He is and what His priorities are for His people. So let's look at this. This covenant, this Mosaic covenant, this covenant that God enacts with all of the people, it is all about holiness on the one hand and love on the other. And you see it distilled right down here in these Ten Commandments, but you see it in all the Torah. The holiness of God on the one hand and the love of God on the other. Right here in these Ten Commandments, they reveal who God is. Think about the first 
four commandments. The first four commandments, they are about God's holiness. They are about the singular uniqueness of God. There is no other God like this God, this Yahweh, this incredible God, God Almighty. There is no other God like this God. And so love, respect, obey God. This is the God who brought you freedom. There is no other liberating God like this God. Don't make anything else into a God. Not your work, not your family, not your possessions. Don't bow down literally or figuratively. Don't pay homage to anything other than God. Not another God, not a relationship, not a possession, not another person. Don't worship anything with your time, your talents, with your treasure. Don't worship anything other than God because nothing else is worthy of your emotion and your time and your treasure and your talents. There is no one besides the one true God. This God is Holy, completely holy. So treat God respectfully and obediently as a community. Don't treat God casually. Never treat God casually, and that's so easy for us to do. A casual approach to God is a sort of nonchalant way of treating God as an important afterthought. And it happens. God is important, we say, but, but did I pray before the last big decision that I had to make? Did I seek God's will for that? God is important. But COVID has gotten us out of the habit of of church and, and even watching it. It's so much easier to do something else. God matters so much to me, but my giving and my generosity come at the end of the month with what's left over. And sometimes there's nothing there. God matters so much to my family and me, but man, it's springtime. And it's baseball season and it's soccer season and it's traveling time. It's not time for Sunday school or youth group. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Never treat God casually. Our covenant relationship with God is serious because God is holy. God loves us too much for us to allow other things to get in the way of our relationship with God. God is holy and, on the other hand, God is also love. God is mercy. So this covenant is also about love. And these commandments reveal the depths of God's love for us, but, but also the love that God wants us to have in a community. So the depths of love for a community of faith. This was a communal covenant. And again, it reflects the personality and the attributes of the one who initiated it. Now you read through the, the Ten Commandments and they're phrased, Thou shalt not. And sometimes that's hard for people to take, especially in our day and age, in our culture now. Anything phrased negatively, it always sounds harsh. But these are not harsh words. These are beautiful words. They're meant to be rules on how to love your neighbor. And they're just the basics, aren't they? They're just the basics and they're beautiful. Don't take from others. Don't lie to your neighbor's face. Don't lie about your neighbor behind their back. Have a deep reverence for human life because God does. So do not kill. Respect your parents and your family relationships, especially when they are older and they need you so much. Keep your marriages strong by knowing where healthy boundaries are. Do not want something or someone so much that it just takes over all of your thinking. 
In all of these ways, unchecked desires, they just, they just kill community. And so God wants these great loving boundaries to be around all of His people. Read through the Ten Commandments again. They are these radical rules of how to love people in community. Jesus knew these laws. People around Him, of course, knew all the laws, not just these. But these commandments, these ten, were very special. And one day a man came up to Jesus and he said, Tell me which one is the most important. Which is the one I just have to follow. Which is the one that's so essential. Tell me and I'll just dedicate my whole life to that one. Jesus said, they can be summed up so easily. They can be summed up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor like yourself. Love God. Love neighbor. That's what it's all about. The holiness and love of God. Baked into all of these Ten Commandments. Love God. Love neighbor. One more thing to finish up on as we think about this covenant. And that, of course, a covenant reveals the one who made it. But it's also the truth that a covenant with God is unbreachable. It is unbreakable. It is unwavering despite what we do. And this is the beauty, this is truly the beautiful nature of a covenant of grace. That despite what we do, God remains God. God remains faithful. God is our faithful covenant partner, even when we are not, which is such a relief. It is such a relief because we can sometimes be so fickle. We waver, and if maintaining our covenant is dependent upon us and our righteousness and our faith and our goodness, then we're in a lot of trouble. But look at this covenant today, and look at this great covenant that God makes with His people. And it demonstrates this truth so well. Several places in the Old Testament, there's a great question that's hanging over all of the Jewish people, all of the Israelites and their existence. They struggle mightily over this question, whether the covenant is broken by their unfaithfulness. And you see this so much in the prophetic literature as the Jewish nation wrestles with this question, as they're conquered by outsiders, as they're thrown into exile, does their entry into exile mean that God has abandoned the covenant and that it's all lost? Has the covenant been breached now by their idolatry or injustice? Has God changed His mind? And there are places in the Old Testament writings where God is disappointed, God is sad, God is angry because of, this, this, of their sin. God has words of judgment there for people to hear about punishment. They'll be led away in chains. Their towns will be destroyed because of the covenant. And then once they're in exile, people agonize over this question. Is the covenant over? Is this the end? Is exile and is God's righteous wrath the end of our relationship with God? And I wonder if we sometimes don't also ask the same question. Do we wonder about this during some exile period of our own? Maybe you ask this question yourself about your life. You might be in a place right now in your relationship with God where you wonder if what you're suffering through is some kind of punishment from God. Maybe you're in a place right now where you are hearing the words of that famous song as you are sinking down, sinking down, sinking down beneath God's righteous frown. You wonder if there's any hope for you. 
because you can't see it on the horizon. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. It is this, that our covenant with God, our new covenant with God, tells us that God remains faithful to His promises, even when we break ours. That was the truth for those Jews and and Israelites back then. It's the truth for us now. Despite God's justified sadness or anger at us as people, the covenant back then, the covenant now, remains intact. God promised that He would forever be God to His people, and God saw them through exile and punishment to the other side where they would then rebuild. And the good news of the gospel is that despite our sin and unfaithfulness, God remains true, always true, to His covenant with us. The cross of Jesus is the sign of God's faithfulness. Whatever justified punishment humanity deserved, it was faced by Jesus on the cross. Whatever wrath we chose for ourselves through our disobedience, God said, give it to me. I will take it on myself. Could we ever be so sinful or disobedient as to break our covenant with God? Well, answer that question by coming to the table this morning. Come to this table and ask that question again. Ask that question as you hear about Christ's own body broken and given for you. Ask that question as you hear about His blood shed to seal a covenant of faith with us. Listen to God's promises at this table and then then take into your heart and soul, absorb into your body the truth of forgiveness that comes from Christ on the cross. Ask that question at this table and you will know that God never breaks His covenant with us. Through Christ it is kept eternally. Friends, our God is a covenant-making God who reveals Himself in the promises that He makes. And our God is a covenant-keeping God who will never leave or forsake His people. Amen. brothers and sisters, all that we have are gifts to us from God. And so this, at this point in our worship service, we are blessed to be able to give back to God through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. If you're worshiping with us here in person, the offering trays are here as you leave the worship space. And if you're worshiping with us online, I invite you to go to the giving tab on our website, germantownpres.org, and there you can find multiple ways to give to the work of God's church. Let us give with great generosity and joy. Thank you. Shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? The Lord 
is the strength of my life. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? Though an host of men were laid against me, afraid and there there rose up war against me yet will I put my trust in him for in the time of shall hide me in his tabernacle. Yea, in the secret places of his dwelling shall he hide me. And so the strength of my life. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? Of whom then shall be seated. My brothers and sisters in Christ, 
as if this were the only time and this the only place Jesus Christ will meet us here at this table this very day. For this is the table that he has prepared for us. It is the table where he intends for us to be nourished and nurtured by his love, his mercy, and his forgiveness. So no matter if we are here in person together or if we are together through time and space, across time and space, we are together in spirit. We are together in Christ's love in this moment as we come together. We are together because we are the body of Christ for the world. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little faith, you who have loved Jesus for a long, long time, and you who continue to struggle in your faith, come. Not because I invite you to the table, but because our Lord and Savior invites you to this table. Come, for it is his will that you come, and he is ready to meet you here. And so now I invite you to gather your elements, your bread, your cup, your grape, your cracker, whatever you have that is going to serve for you in this moment the bread, and the wine. And let us now turn to God in prayer. Eternal God, our creator, you formed us in your image, loved us with an everlasting love, and graced us with gifts for serving. And so we praise you and give you thanks. Remembering all your mighty and merciful acts, we take ordinary bread and wine from the gifts that you have given us and pray that your Holy Spirit be poured out upon them as we celebrate with joy the redemption won for us in Jesus Christ. By your Spirit, unite us with the living Christ and with all who are baptized in his name that we may be one in ministry in every place. As this bread is Christ's body for us, we pray that we may be the body of Christ in the world, sharing Christ's mercy, forgiveness, kindness, and compassion with everyone that we meet this day and every day. Hear us now, we pray, as we offer our prayers for the world, for our community, and for our families and friends. Hear us now as we pray. We ask your blessings of wisdom, compassionate care, and justice to be poured out upon all leaders across your vast world, including leaders of nations, states, communities, businesses, hospitals, health care facilities, schools, and churches. May your will be done, we pray. We ask your blessings of patience and tolerance love and kindness to be poured out upon all parents and teachers and students from little ones to graduate students. May your will be done, we pray. We ask your blessings of healing to be upon those who suffer today with illness, addictions, grief, 
fear, loneliness, anger, resentment, whatever their suffering may be, may they in this moment know that they are loved by you, Lord God, and may their healing begin. May your will be done, we pray. We ask your blessings of faithfulness, justice, and love to be poured out upon your church universal, the people who strive to faithfully follow the teachings of Jesus. May we always be keenly aware and strive to live by your mandate on our lives to seek justice everywhere, to love the kindness of all people, to walk with humility daily, to care for the least in our midst, to love the stranger, our neighbor, as much as we love ourselves. May your will be done, we pray. We ask your blessings to be poured out upon our own community of faith as we strive to recover from floodwaters. May we hold one another with gentleness as you hold us with your love. May your will be done, we pray. We ask your blessings to be poured out upon those who are near to our own families and to our community of faith, and we name them in our quietness now. For all of these, Lord God, we ask your blessings, and we ask that your will be done. Through Christ, all glory and honor are yours, almighty God, and with the Holy Spirit now and forevermore. And now, with both humility and boldness, we pray the very prayer our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal with his disciples. And during that meal, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to God for the bread, and he broke it open, saying, This is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. Drink this. In remembrance of me. For every time that we eat this bread and we drink this wine, we are remembering the saving death of our Lord and Savior until he comes again. My friends, these are the gifts of God and they are for the people of God. Let us now share in communion together. The body of Christ and the cup of salvation.
And let us turn again to God in prayer. In gratitude, in deep gratitude for this moment of shared space and time, in deep gratitude for this meal, these people, we give you thanks and we give ourselves to you. Transform us, Lord God, into the very people you call us to be because we have shared the living bread and we cannot remain the same. Ask much of us, expect much from us, enable much by us, encourage many through us. Make us strong in our Lord's service so we may follow him faithfully wherever he leads. Through Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Christian friends, we know what we should do. We know that we live by the summary of the law to love God and to love neighbor. And so you are charged to do this, called by God to go out into the world to go and love the Lord and to go and love and serve your neighbor as yourself. Let us do so on this day. And friends, as we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us always. Amen. Amen.